1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Helen on from Diversely, and we're going to be learning all kinds of good things from her. So Helen, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and introduce Diversely to the audience?
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, William. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, My name's Helen Maguire, as you can tell, probably um, I'm British, but I'm living over in Singapore um, and I'm the CEO of a business called Diversely. and Diversely is an HR tech solution in the diversity and inclusion space. Um, We work to help businesses, number one, understand exactly where they are on the diversity spectrum through um, a scoring and reporting system. And secondly, to help them hire without bias through our bias-free AI-driven hiring tools, uh, which are available online on subscription anywhere in the world.
1: So, where people are. Let's t- let's tackle the, uh, both of these first. Uh, let's talk about where they are on the map. So you've built a map, right? And uh, again, it's like kind of like a maturity model. I'm assuming. Um, how do they? How do they take that data? You know what I mean? Like, how do they? How do they respond to when you mm. say, "Okay, based on everything that we've learned, <laughs> here's where you are. <laughs> yeah. and here's what's left to do." Like, how yeah. do they? Res- how do they intellectually and emotionally? How do they respond to that?
0: It depends on the size of the business. And we have two separate approaches to this. So, number one is a very simple um, qualitative um, scoring system, whereby businesses, no matter what size they are, don't need to have any kind of quantitative data to get a benchmark score, followed quickly by uh, a very sort of overview report um, that's completely free. And, you know, as you say, looks at where they are on that. Um, uh, not, not so much maturity but just in terms of the types of diversity that they have um, internally as a business and where they could possibly improve so they get a very simple percentage score across five different types of diversity so we don't just focus on on gender which is definitely a, a differentiating point for us in the market um, but for bigger businesses they generally want to understand on a much deeper level um, where they are so That involves um, us asking um, uh, much much broader questions, but essentially generating a report for them through um, an API that we've created that we can present to them and say within a 10% error rate, exactly where they are on a quantitative basis across those uh, those three different types of diversity. Um, So gender, age, and ethnicity. And the response to that is often one of surprise. I think it's usually um, an unknown quantity within a business exactly where they stand. Unfortunately, this concept of DNI reporting, measurement, um, analytics, um, and tracking progress is very, very new to businesses. And actually, we found that only 5% of businesses have anything in place to do this. And, I guess our argument there is, well, if you don't know where you're starting, how do you know how to improve and, and how do you know where to, to, to start that improvement journey? Um, so when we present those reports to businesses, there is an element of surprise. There's sometimes an element of pushback as well. Um, you know, well, you know, we're not so bad across, uh, across this region and we make up for it in this region and so on. Um, and it's definitely all regionally based as well. So we benchmark against industry and, and region because it, it is a different maturity spectrum depending on where you are in the world. And also depending on um, you know the, the ethnic makeup, let's say, of your city, your region um, and where your offices are in the world as well. So there's a lot to go through. There's a lot to unpack within those reports. Um, but we've been working in this space now um, for many, many years, and really the purpose of diversity is not just to reflect back um, exactly where businesses are, it's to help them move forward from that point.
1: So uh, a number of things to unpack here. One is, why is it this way? So when when they kind of give you that, uh, that you know, we didn't know, or we, you know, we... They didn't have a benchmark. Did don't didn't have visibility or insight into kind of what is, uh, or what what is you know the current state. Well, you've been doing this a while. Why why is that? <laughs> why don't they know? I mean, in just in plain terms, like why why uh, why don't they know that?
0: Because they don't ask the questions, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, for many businesses. Um, particularly things such as sexual orientation um, and uh, disability are self-reporting and and that you know arguably is the right way to go but it also means that they just have no idea where they are um, where those types of of diversity are concerned where age gender and um, ethnic makeup is concerned it's more obvious but they simply don't have the systems internally in order to be able um, to pull that data out and visualize it in a way that's useful. Um, You know, we've spoken to companies who are looking at doing this or who are doing it manually Mm -hmm. and literally going through Excel spreadsheets and pulling things out of their um, ATS um, and, and whatever internal systems they might be using to try and get a measure of this. But it's an incredibly complex procedure um, and it's not always obvious from names, you know, what gender somebody is. Right. Um, so, so this is where our software comes in and our API comes in. And as I mentioned, that's to within a 10% error rate. Um, so it's it's a very complicated area. I think it's one that has only just really started to come up because D&I previously has always been something that, you know, has almost has always been a nice to have, I think, for mm-hmm. businesses. Um, and I think in the last kind of year, 18 months, there's just been this increased pressure. And in fact, um, there was some research recently from Glassdoor that said there's been a 70% increase in the numbers of people with DNI in their job title. So businesses are having to take this a lot more seriously. And they're starting to realize that, unfortunately, um, you know, they just don't know where they're at. And if they right. don't know where they're at, then they don't know how to move forward and solve the problem
1: here in the states um i think you know when people would say diversity they wouldn't even say all the other things just diversity people would automatically think gender and race um and i think that probably held true up until me too and uh so me too love is love and black lives matter a lot of a lot of the things socially that, that have been going on here in the States, I think that's put more pressure, thankfully, put more pressure on businesses to ask these questions, to get curious uh, and to figure out again, where, where you are and uh, also kind of plot the course of where you want to be. Um, so I want to ask you a question about the reports. So, and, and I know people are going to be wondering this as well. So mm-hmm. as you, you know, basically come back to them and, and re- render, you know, the, your findings. Um, I'm assuming they're kind of laden with actions or recommendations, uh, a path forward, et cetera. So could you kind of, without giving away you know, secret sauce and things like that, could you kind of tell us a little bit more about what the reports do?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, the report breaks down um, across gender, age, and ethnicity. Um, it will also break down um, for region. it can break down for specific teams um, or specific um, job roles within a business. It can be taken from a local perspective, a regional perspective or a global perspective. Um, and yes there you know there are points within that report that say you know we would recommend you looking at at, at this. this is under uh, underrepresented um, for your specific. Um, industry or for your specific region Um, you know and I think there's there's a lot that we can do when we present the report back we actually host roundtables with key stakeholders to help number one to understand that report but also to give them our expertise on what they could do to help improve those numbers if if that's necessary Um, and that's really where our tools come in um, you know, as I mentioned, Diversely was not set up just to preach about um, DNI. It was set up to practice DNI, um, and it was set up to really help businesses to move forward from whatever point they're at right now. And one of the things that we always recommend is looking at the way in which um, businesses are hiring. So, starting at the very, very beginning, from sourcing, how are you reaching out? Um, to the types of people that you you want to or need to attract within your organization Um, what language are you using what structure are you using within those job ads Um, is it biased towards or against a certain group does it feel inclusive is it telling people who you are as a business and why they should be interested in working there and secondly where are you then posting those job ads you know is it just going up on linkedin or monster or indeed or some of the big ones or are you looking at more niche job boards where you might go and find those people and one thing we always say is um you know you don't use the same language to talk to your grandma or your child or your dog or your colleague um so when you're trying to attract people within uh, to your organization you need to use language that appeals to them you need to use inclusive language and that's really where our first tool, the bias analyzer comes in, um, because it looks at that language and that structure across the five different types of diversity. And it gives you, again, a score um, so that you know um, exactly where you sit, um, and also helps you then to post out to both global and niche job boards. So these are things that our tools can do from an AI perspective to take the human bias out of um, out of this process. We've worked with the University of Nottingham on this. They have three years worth of data globally, specifically on job ads to help with this. But there are also many practical things that businesses can can just start to do, you know, themselves without using um, AI-driven tools. And, and that's also where we give some advice.
1: So uh, here in the States, uh, we call it diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, equality, right? So yeah. deep. Okay, so as we learn new things, so you've you've rifled off a couple of things: age and gender and sexual orientation, disability, uh, ethnic makeup, and there's obviously probably a list of uh, other things that you would probably add to that. As we learn more, like as we unpack things, we're going to learn more about what we don't know. That's I'm just assuming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that change your model? Like, how do you bring in new things when people, you know, again, you know, veterans, uh, neurodiversity, whatever, Mm -hmm. like they bring new things to you or newer things. and, and And the model doesn't necessarily consider that yet, but it's a really cool thing to then add. How do you bring new things or new ways to look at diversity into the model?
0: Yeah, I, the, the model is constantly updating. Um, so we feed um, new data into the AI almost constantly. And our partnership with the University of Nottingham, um, the Centre for Applied Linguistics helps us to do that because they have looked specifically at biasing job descriptions, but not specifically at, at any particular biases. I mean, as you say, we're picking those five out. Um, right. But, you know, that. There is, there is an endless, uh, an endless dream of spectrum of diversity. So uh, we're constantly looking at ways to update that. And I think the other way in which we want to make sure that we're being as inclusive as possible um, to candidates and, you know, we are not a job board in ourselves and we're not recruiters ourselves, um, but we're partnering with job boards locally, regionally, and globally. Um, you know, as you say, um, even those who are, um, ex-military, for example, so there's specific job boards around that, um, obviously around ethnicity, disability, neurodiversity, um, college, older people, etc. So there are many, many job boards out there that people don't know about. And that's really where um, the, the job board poster comes in, recommending those job boards to businesses so that they're reaching out into those communities um, in a way that they may not have, have considered before. Right.
1: So this is going to probably be the dumbest question you get asked in at least a year. So just brace yourself.
0: Um, Yeah, I'm bearing with you.
1: Okay. So most of what we do in the technology world, especially around hiring, is we try to eliminate bias, Mm -hmm. right? But what if we're wrong? What if? What if actually people put their biases? Like again, let's say someone wants to hire more African Americans or or mm-hmm. more women. Let's just make it simple. Uh, there's for whatever reason, it's a firm that's grown up and it's it's ninety percent male, and they just want to yeah. hire women.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: what's wrong with just hiring women? Like, <laughs> if you want to yeah. fix that, if again, if it's being self-aware and. Like, yeah. But if we use all the technology in a way that says, okay, we hide all that, strip all that stuff away. But what if someone has, I guess, a good intent or a a Mm. proper intent? Why would we hide all that stuff?
0: Mm. Again, could be the
1: stupidest question you receive.
0: (laughs) No, it's not. It's actually quite a big discussion. And it's a discussion around positive discrimination. And I think, you know, the jury's out really, or or it's a relatively hung jury on whether this is a good thing or not. And I think, you know, where we're concerned, there are two schools of thought on it. When, um, from a diversity perspective, when businesses post out to job boards, all of the candidates um, that come back into their account are automatically anonymized. So you cannot see whether they're male, female, what ethnicity they are, um, the school and university they went to, their age, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that's for a reason, because we believe that that's where human bias starts to creep in. You see a name or you see an image, or you see a school or a university on a profile and you make an assumption. Um, So that's deliberately taken out from our processes. However, what we do provide is a um, diversity indicator. So once that's switched on, you can see where the underrepresented groups are in that list. Mm. And if you wanted to positively discriminate at that point, and I think there is an argument for it. And yeah. my argument is always that um, unfortunately, you know, there is very, very good evidence to suggest that underrepresented groups underrepresent themselves on their profile. Right. right. And underrepresent themselves when they apply for a role. So if you want to look at those um, profiles particularly and give them a 10, 20% extra chance, you know, and interview them and speak to them face-to-face or, you know, in our world, give them um, a a test of some kind that helps you understand better where their skill sets and soft skills are, we're we're okay with that. Um, And I think, you know, there are always elements of, potential misuse around this you know wanting sure. to harm those people for the wrong reasons um, and that is something that our tech will pick up if we see that happening time and again um, and you will be asked to leave the platform if that's the case um, but you know we have taken that into consideration and, and as you say I think I, I, I don't I don't think it's, a, it's definitely not a stupid question William so thank you for asking it. Um, it it's actually a very interesting one and I think the jury's out on it
1: yeah it's, it's 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 is this a tool for good or is it a tool for evil and i guess that's probably every technology right you can yeah. you can kind of look at it through that lens of okay what do you what's what are you trying to do and some of this is we don't we're not we're not either conscience or we're not we're not in touch with what biases we have and some of that's you know you just don't know what you don't know and then some of it you choose not to know um, yep. And so I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm asked by DNI folks here, mm. especially people that are trying to target, you know, specific underrepresented groups. How yeah. can I do that if all the yeah. technology makes it difficult for me to do that? I'm like, well, that's a fascinating question. So you're making a case for actually, you know, uh, going about this in a, in a different way. Um I think.
0: So, I mean, just, just to quickly add to that point, the whole point of this is to make your approach more inclusive. Right. The whole point of this is to increase your reach into diverse groups um, to basically increase the chance of finding the best person for the job. Um, and that's really you know, why we recommend um, looking at the bias in, in your job ads and so on. Um, and it's to give the candidate a good experience as well. So right. that everybody is on a level playing field when they come, you know, they've all had the same opportunity to view the same job ad. They've all come through the same system. They've all been anonymized. Um, so, you know, it's really to sort of um, give the candidate um, a, a, an even chance, um, no matter who they're up against, uh, you know, background wise. Um, and that's that's what we feel is key. And there's, there's also within the process... A very fair way of letting um, candidates know whether they've made the grade or they haven't made the grade. So that's right. kind of baked into how we work as well, because it's not just about the hiring managers; it's about the candidates' experience.
1: Right, and and again, treating candidates like customers. Um, we talked a little bit about hiring bias, but I want to go deeper there and understand, you know, what you're learning about hiring bias. You know, uh, again, a lot of people moving a little bit away from culture fit uh, here in the states moving away from that moving a uh, lot if you deal with competence on one end of the spectrum and potential a lot of firms here are starting to hire for potential mm-hmm. you know uh, so that's kind of interesting um, more companies here in the US are kind of going into standardized interviews which is which is interesting and uh, you know, probably a good thing and probably uh, something we should have done a long time ago. What, yep. what other places, you know, because you, you see a lot of this stuff with your clients, but you've seen it in years past. What other things should we be thinking about in terms of hiring bias?
0: So as far as diversity is concerned, we um, stop once we have the, the pool of candidates, which a business can then, um, you know, go about contacting download, feed into their systems, um, however they, they would normally approach that. But we completely recognize that there is a whole journey <laughs> from that point to actually, number one, hiring that person, and number two, um, ensuring that they have a really positive journey once they get into your um, organization. And really, that's it's interesting because when we first set up Diversely um, and started doing the research around it, some of those businesses we saw as competitors mm. um, and we you know when, when we're speaking to to our investors we put them quite firmly in the invest in the uh, competitor category <laughs> and very interestingly now many of them have actually become um, partners and and key partnerships for us because there is so much tech out there that helps with um, getting people on on board hiring them, interviewing them. You know, there's, there's many companies that offer um, blind interviews, for example, right. that offer um, testing. Um, there are businesses that help you understand exactly how people are performing once they get into your organization and whether they're likely to remain in that organization or whether they're kind of falling off and not being included um, in conversations um, and not moving upwards as they should do. So the, the software is out there. I mean, to name a few, there's a, there's a business called Panelit that we work with. There's another called Orange Cat, um, who are more on the retention side of things. Um, there's Talview, which is a, a video software company. So, you know, these are all businesses that we look to work hands in hand with so that once you, you move into the hiring phase and the interview phase, you're not introducing human bias or at least you're trying to get around it and I right. think you're right, you know the standardized interview, standardized scoring for candidates um online tests are a very um positive way of of approaching this um but yeah there's there's lots out there that can definitely help with it's concerned
1: awesome so I see there i mean obviously in the work that you've done historically and now. I see that you know if we can fix hiring and we can fix some of the experiential stuff, uh, employee experiential stuff. Um, I see there to being a large play in internal mobility, and also in succession planning. Mm-hmm. What What do you? I mean, again, don't I'm not asking for trade secrets or anything. But what do, you, what do you, what do you think the future looks like for y'all?
0: It's an interesting question. Um, I think. The way that we see diversely um, and and the vision for the business is really that diversity and inclusion should not be an added extra time or cost resource for any talent acquisition, HR person, founder, whoever might be doing the hiring within a business. It should be a standard process that people um, of all backgrounds are included um, and considered and treated equally and fairly throughout the entire process. And of course, once they are onboarded within an organization. Um, and that's really where we see the future for diversely and I guess for many of our partners is that we become integrated into um, other ATSs, for example, we become integrated into company systems, whether they be large or, or small. Um, so that you know this process it, it should be quicker and easier. And it's certainly cheaper. Um, to use us than it is to use uh, many resources and recruiters out there. I would say from a subscription basis. So you know, we should aim to increase the reach into these more diverse categories. We should aim the tech should aim to reduce the time that it takes for that to happen, and we should aim for a, a better result, which we can do once we understand what one, uh, once we understand what the measurements and, and analytics are that underlie this whole process
1: yeah it's 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 fascinating to me because uh again a year ago we uh in the states we went through some massive layoffs right and uh i don't think that those layoffs had a lens of diversity and inclusion Mm. that people look through so i mean again it kind of well, there's a lens there that would be interesting to know. Okay, we laid off, you know, seventy-five percent of our workforce. Uh, all of them were female. <laughs> yep. That would be good to know.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. And I think actually I saw some um, stats out of the states towards yeah. the end of the year that hundred yeah, percent of the layoffs in yeah. December were women.
1: Which, which optically. I mean, first of all, the optics is horrible. Period. Hard, hard stop. But beyond that, it's like I don't think. Back to your original point, I don't think people had an idea. I don't think it was out of, you know. I guess you can mm-hmm. always think that there's ill intent or evil and yeah. shit like that. But I think, I think it's because they didn't know where what I didn't where they were. Back to your yeah. original point of they don't know the map of where they are, and so when they do a riff uh, or a layoff. They do it blindly.
0: Uh-huh. I think that's true. And I also think you know, you cannot um disassociate the cultural mm. pressure issues right now, right. Um, where women are concerned. And actually, I was asked this question quite recently about you know where I see this going for women, um, for people with disabilities, for people um, you know, differently abled, um, those perhaps who are in different countries and and you know, don't have the same opportunities um, as they might do if they lived in, I don't know, New York or LA or San Fran or whatever. And I think it's really interesting because, yes, I agree that the situation and the stats look pretty dire right now and have looked pretty bad. Um, you know, the stuff that we've seen coming out of the States, God knows what it's like in the rest of the world that doesn't report these things quite as openly. <laughs> Good but point. Certainly, you know, it's, not um, not
1: thinking about China or Russia specifically, yeah, however, yeah, but, yeah, well,
0: you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's 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 a lot of uh, a lot of disinformation and unknowns out there. But um, you know, I have three kids myself. They're not quite school age, so sort of six six and under. And when we were in lockdown here in Singapore, it was so tough because they were not at school, obviously. They were doing Zoom calls. And we've been very lucky because number one, um, the lockdown was only three months and we haven't had to repeat it. Number two, I have help here. You know, I, I'm very fortunate that I live in a, in a city and a place where that's just normal um, for families. And so the pressure was not solely on myself or my husband. Who also has his own business to run um but i think that the future looks very bright and look this is only my belief who knows what's going to happen the world is a very strange place right now um but i do believe that this is a golden opportunity for many underrepresented groups never has there been so much focus on this I never has history- there been-
1: No, I think, I think you're spot on. I I think history will judge us harshly if we don't take advantage of this moment.
0: Exactly.
1: Exactly. I I, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, again, foolish if it's, if we don't take advantage of this uh, because this is a great time again, to find out where you are and to make the changes, the requisite changes that you need to make and to get better. I mean, always kind of focus on getting better as an organization. A couple, a couple, just things that I know people will ask me work workflow wise, where does diversely sit, you know, for, you know, their, their technology stack, where does it, where does it sit right now?
0: Yeah. So at the moment we are uh, a separate um, subscription platform Mm -hmm. um, and that's purely because of the, the maturity of the company. Um, but it's fully on our roadmap to start integrating with um, ACSs towards the second half of this year. We're already in talks with, um, you know, bigger multinationals who obviously require these types of tools and systems to be integrated in their workflows. And we get that, you know, I have a corporate background um, at the BBC and in in advertising, my co-founder, has a corporate background in finance. So we get that completely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's completely on the roadmap for us to be able to integrate um, with businesses. But right now we're on a subscription basis. Um, and it's, you know, it's very easy to kind of plug the, the data back in essentially to your, to your own ATS.
1: Okay. And the in the in the pricing model, it's obviously you you've said subscription. Yeah. Is it is it based on the size of company or the amount of candidates no, that flow through? Um, like what's it?
0: Yeah, it's actually it's based on numbers of users and numbers mm. of jobs. Oh, yeah. Um so, so that's that's where we are with the pricing.
1: Right. Perfect. La- last thing when folks look at the software for the first time, when they look at it diversely you know and all of a sudden they see it uh they have a phrase here in in the states it's the sizzle it's like what do people gravitate because both of y'all have mm-hmm. worked corporate and you I would just assume that you've done uh, a, a bunch of demos as a practitioner, mm-hmm. and you know there's always that moment when you, especially when you really like something, there's that moment where you're like, oh, I can't live without this. This is i got to <laughs> out. now I got to figure out how to buy it. But you know, uh, what's that? What's that moment? That magical moment or sizzle moment for y'all?
0: Yeah, it's the visualization that we provide. It is that um, right in front of your face understanding of number one, exactly where you are, which genuinely businesses, as I said, are very surprised by and have not seen it reflected in that way. And number two, exactly how biased sometimes um, people's job ads can be, and they're just not expecting it. And, you know, you can, as I mentioned, get some pushback on that because people are genuinely sometimes surprised and slightly shocked by what they're seeing. But it certainly highlights where the work is to be done, and that's really where we can help.
1: Last thing uh, before we wrap, Mm. what else should we know about Diversely?
0: Um, So Diversely is um, a seed stage company. Um, We have thirteen global investors. We're based out here in Singapore. We're on a very um, fast growth path. So. Um, we're already available globally and working with partners in the US, the UK, Europe, Australia, and here in Southeast Asia. And we're ready for your calls whenever you want to make them.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ellen. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy, uh, but well. I just appreciate you doing the show.
0: Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. And thanks for everyone to listening, listening to the Use Case podcast until next time.
0: You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at RecruitingDaily.com.